Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Ted Bundy, an infamous name that describes the most brutal and violent serial killer in American history. My name is Melanie, and in this episode, I will be retelling the events of one of Bundy's most gut-wrenching killings and beatings, five college girls, all sleeping, all innocent, and all undeserving of what happened to them. Listener discussion is advised. This podcast will describe the topics of death, violence, and sexual assault. It's a typical Saturday night at the Florida State campus. Kathy Kleiner and Karen Chandler had decided to stay home rather than go out and party. One had a sewing project due and the other a math test. After studying for a while, both Kathy and Karen did what most college students did and went to bed. Little did they know this night would change their lives forever. Bundy had been convicted of kidnapping Carol DeLange in 1976. He fled incarceration after a year by jumping out of the second story window of the courthouse he was to be sentenced at. He was captured six days later and escaped again by cutting a hole through the prison ceiling in December 1977. Bundy moved from state to state, first landing in Colorado, then the city of Chicago, next Michigan and Atlanta, and ultimately Florida. It was around 3 a.m. when Bundy first stepped onto the Florida State campus. The Chi Omega Girl sorority had been known for its feeling of safety and comfort, inhabiting the house that was just across W. Jefferson Street from the campus parking lot. The door hadn't been locked, so getting inside was no difficult task for Bundy. He crept his way up the stairs of the sorority, first stopping at Margaret Bowman's room, a woman that will be brought up later in this podcast. He had a heavy log in his hands. Most sources say it was a piece of firewood. He used this to beat Margaret's skull further into her pillow, leaving her unrecognizable at the time of her death. He left Margaret's room and made his way to Lisa Levy's room. Here, he did the unthinkable. Before I get into the details, I would like to warn listeners again that these following words will be particularly awful. He started his rampage by first beating Lisa. He next strangled and raped her sexually assaulting her with a hairspray bottle. He nearly tore her nipple off and had broken her collarbone before finishing himself off by leaving a large bite mark on her left buttock. This bite mark would be the first piece of physical evidence that would link Bundy to his crimes. Unfortunately, Lisa and Margaret weren't enough to satisfy Bundy. He moved to Kathy Kleiner's room with a club of some sort in his hand. Kleiner later recalled what seemed like a black mass hovering over her. She saw the club in its hands, saw it lifted over its head, and slam it onto her. Both Kathy and Karen had survived the attacks. Kathy stood in the hallway delirious with a fractured skull, broken jaw, and multiple broken teeth as Bundy fled the scene. Karen sat in her bed with multiple injuries to the head, quite similarly to Kathy. Since she had been asleep when Bundy attacked, she didn't recollect any of the attack. 
I'm now interviewing a formal schoolmate of a person with connections to Margaret Bowman. They wish to remain anonymous. So this friend of yours had a personal relationship with Margaret Bowman, correct? That is correct, yes. And what was this person like before she passed away? Um, he was very energetic, um, had a positive attitude, was actually, in a way, almost borderline cocky, and uh, did very well in uh, athletics. And after her passing? After his passing, her passing, he didn't show up for school for probably two or three months. And, uh, but when he got back, he was very quiet, um, wasn't engaging at all, and um, didn't really um, pursue his athletic abilities like he had before. It just seemed like all the energy had gone out of him. Even after his attacks after the Chai Omega house, Bunny remained unsatisfied. He walked eight blocks to Cheryl Thomas's residence. He beat her unconscious, fracturing her skull in multiple places, breaking her jaw, and dislocating her elbow. Cheryl suffered permanent hearing loss in one ear and cranial nerve damage that would forever affect her equilibrium. This ended her dancing career. Bunny also woke all of Cheryl's neighbors with a loud thumping that shook the house. The search went on for Bundy. Sheriff Ken Katsaris was put in charge of Bundy's case in Florida. He examined both Margaret and Lisa's bodies, where he was said to have found the most significant piece of evidence, which was Bundy's bite mark. He said that to him, the killer was leaving a signature. Finally, in the early days of February, Bundy was pulled over, approximately six days after his last murder of 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. He had led her further from school, killing her 40 miles away and leaving her in a pig pen to rot. David Lee, a police officer, pulled Bundy over for his erratic driving. He discovered that the Beetle he was driving had been stolen, and he was also found in the possession of multiple IDs of several women. He was arrested and convicted of suspicion of murder. At this time, Bundy didn't have really much of a choice. It was too late for him to even think about escaping at this point. He was too far gone. After the attacks at the Chai Omega house and the unspeakable things that he's done, the judge who sentenced him for his crimes described him as extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile.
Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.